Hello, everyone. You're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Shannon Deaton and Jason Creekmore. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we're discussing the art and some of the history of baseball. I'm joined at the table today by my co-host, known by some as the Pinot Slugger, Jason Creekmore. How are you today, man? 37 home runs in my rookie year. (laughs) 37 home runs. I was was Bethel Road MVP. Yeah, That's awesome, man. That's true. That's that's a big-time title. You know that? Yeah. Did did they call you the Greater Bambino, or was it just... I forgot. I don't know. I had a lot of names. You can Google it. It's all there. (laughs) I'll have to look you up. Uh, We're also joined by special guest, baseball enthusiast, and author of Our Game 2, Asian Pacific Americans in Major League Baseball, Dr. Bill Simpson. How are you today, man? Hey, guys. How are you? Excited to have you on the show. You know, baseball's a big deal, right? It is. Would you guys all agree with that? I would agree. It's important. It's really important to Bill. (laughs) Bill's... Bill's a big baseball guy. So, Bill, you, often, you like baseball, huh? Yes. I've often said that next to God and my family, <laughs> baseball is probably the most important thing in my life. Priorities, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's good. Yeah. You, you got to have those priorities. So, we're going to begin our discussion with a little bit of the history of American baseball. Baseball has long been recognized as America's favorite pastime. Just the name baseball itself stirs images of stadiums, hot dogs, popcorn, family, and friends. Poet Walt Whitman once said, quote, it's our game. That's the chief fact in connection with it. America's game. End quote. Whitman went on to explain that baseball has the snap-go fling of the American atmosphere. It belongs as much to our institutions and is just as important as our constitution and laws. It is the place where memories gather. That That's a big statement there. You know, it's just as important as our constitution and laws. How does that hit you guys? I think that's good because, you know, for many people, including myself, like you think about your childhood or you think about your summers, and baseball is kind of always there. It's kind of the soundtrack to your summer. Yeah. Or sometimes soundtrack to your childhood. That's how I remember it. That's, that's how it felt to me. So the origins of baseball are the stuff of legend. And, and we kind of talked about this a little bit before the show got started here. And for decades, it was believed that baseball had been invented by Abner Doubleday at Cooperstown, New York in 1839. But that's that's all I heard my entire life yeah. was, was Abner Doubleday. That's right. But that that's not entirely true. And in fact, Bill, is, is that true at all? No, that's not true. That was kind of a myth that was made up by the sporting news. Yeah. Uh, to kind of just, you know, to, to make that seem more like a, a legendary tale. And um, that's, ex- uh, in fact, how come the National Baseball Hall of Fame is in Cooperstown, New York. Oh, okay. Where, and yes. they were, they were, but in reality, that's not that's not true. There have been ball and bat games around ever since the colonists to come over. Absolutely. So, so it was sort of an English convention, I guess. Um, and, you know, the actual history of baseball, it, it's very complicated. And as you mentioned, uh, it may have gotten its roots from the English game called Rounders. This was one I didn't know a whole lot about until I looked into the research around it. But as with baseball in Rounders, players used to stick or bat to strike at a ball before attempting to round four bases, ending back where they started. So I thought that was a, a cool familiar. connection. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like baseball, right? You know, of course, baseball is very unique. Uh, you know, it's different than a lot of other sports. It's, in fact, the only team sport where the playing field has different dimensions. You know, there's not this defined set of uh, parameters of how large these fields are, etc. You know, it, it sort of varies. And uh, all 30 of the big league ballparks have different outfield measurements and configurations. Another thing that's kind of interesting is that the offense in baseball doesn't actually have possession of the baseball 
which is kind of rare yeah, that's for weird. sport. Yeah. You know, that's a little bit different. Uh, rather, the pitcher initiates and dictates the play, and the defense has possession of the ball while the offense tries to score. And baseball has been famously regarded as a, a sport that brings in a lot of revenue. Right. In 2019, Major League Baseball generated a record $10.7 billion, an increase from $10.3 billion in the previous year. So it's it's a huge draw. It's a spectacle. And apparently it makes a lot of money. But yeah, and uh, just baseball's a, raking it you in. Know, and like baseball, just a ton of games. I mean, I think is Bill, is it 162 games 162 is a season? Games, yeah. You know, like the NBA typically has like 82 games right. and, and football typically has like 16 games in regular season. So a lot of opportunities, you know, for fans to to go and buy merchandise and buy tickets and those type of things. You know, in terms of baseball, Jason, is there, is there anything that that term brings to mind for you as we get ready to head into this conversation with Bill? Yeah. Do you have any fond thoughts <coughs> about baseball? I think it was 1990. Is that right, Bill, when the Reds yeah, won the last World Series? Okay, yes. yeah. So uh, that wasn't my, like, my first memory of baseball, but it was uh, probably my favorite. I was in middle school, you know, uh, during that year. And I remember you know, I was a big Reds fan, and they came up against the Oakland A's. Well, Oakland was by far the uh, the, the favorite, right? You know, they had Ken, uh, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, and they had like the best closer. They had one of the best starters, you know, Dave Stewart. And so Oakland was like a powerhouse, and the Reds were, were definitely the underdog. And the Reds actually swept them in that series, four games to to zero, which was incredible. I mean, if you'd have placed a bet That's on big deal, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, because yeah. uh, I mean, if anything, if you just said one of those teams were you know, were going to be swept, it probably would have been the other way around, you know. Right. But the Reds actually swept them, and I know that they had uh, the the nasty boys, you know, with the the pitchers, which was the the bullpen. <laughs> I love that nickname. <laughs> oh the yeah, that was boys. that was a uh, Randy Myers, uh, Rob Dibble, Norm Charlton, and then uh, Jose Rio was a starter on that team, and of course Barry Larkin, Chris Sabo, Eric Davis. Those are the regular guys. So just that that playoff run and that series when I was in middle school, I just I mean I specifically remember like getting really into that, and uh, so that was one of my favorite uh, memories. And then also uh, when I was in college, the the whole uh, Barry Bonds oh, or, yeah. or I'm sorry uh, Mark McGuire and uh, Sammy, Sammy Sosa, Sosa. Yeah. Sammy home Sosa home run. run. Yeah. So those were two like two specific memories of, of mine. Those come to mind for me as well. And and Bill, I know you've got a lot lot of memories uh, regarding baseball. Some of those I know you're going to share with us here in just a little bit. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about this book. So so you've written a book, and it's called Our Game 2, Asian Pacific Americans in Major League Baseball. So, Bill, what's that book about? Okay, so uh, that book was written by my wife and I, and it came out in 2017 from Elevation Books out of Atlanta. Did really good when it came out. It was the top 20 bestseller for Amazon in their baseball category. And uh, kind of the idea for that book, growing up, two things that have always been important to me for whatever reason have been baseball and equality. And I think if we were to get at the heart of who I am, those are probably two things that are right at, at the heart, baseball and equality. So I was playing about probably four or five years ago. I was playing in an adult baseball tournament in Cooperstown, New York, strangely enough. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was driving back home by myself. We had played um, maybe seven or eight games in a three or four day period. I was driving back home and it was late at night and I was uh, driving through New York and just getting ready to enter Pennsylvania, I remember I remember exactly where I was. I was thinking just kind of about baseball and numbers and baseball history, as I often do. One of my favorite people in baseball history, and really one of my favorite people 
in American history is Jackie Robinson. Uh, just everything that that guy stood for and, and the kind of the, the way that he paved oh, for yeah. everybody else. Equality, and, certainly. Yes, and, yeah. and for this game, for everybody who loves the game of baseball. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, okay, you know, Jackie Robinson, obviously, first African-American in the modern era of uh, baseball, broke the color barrier. So I was driving on through, and I got to thinking about other first in baseball. So I got to thinking about, okay, I wonder who the first Asian American baseball player is. And I was surprised that I didn't know who that was. Like I, Nothing came to mind. So uh, there was a guy named uh, Mazanori Murakami, who was the first Japanese player in baseball. And that was in the 1960s for the San Francisco Giants. Well, I knew him, but I was speaking specifically about Asian American players. And uh, I thought, wow, how do I not know that? So uh, I come home. And uh, the next morning, uh, having a conversation with my wife, and we're talking about this and about how the tournament went. And, and I'm, you know, I said, I don't know who this is. So I just kind of dove into it. And when I dove into it, I learned about a lot of interesting people, including a guy named Bobby Balsina, who played for the Reds in the 19, uh, uh, 1950s, who was the first, who get, is credited as being the first Asian American baseball player in the major leagues. And um, I thought, how do people not know who this guy is? Like, how do they not know his story? So when I looked at other early Asian American baseball pioneers, I kind of felt the need to get their story out there and to make their story kind of go on record as part of baseball history. So um, came up with some ideas for the book, worked through part of it, shopped it around to some publishers, um, publisher out of Atlanta named Elevation Books, great people to work with. They were interested in the book, so they bought the book and uh, the book debuted in September 2017. Man, that's fantastic. And you guys have had some success with that. You mentioned uh, on Amazon being in the top 20 for the, the baseball category. And is it also located somewhere in the, the Reds? Yeah. So what is that? What's that story? Okay. So growing up, uh, I, I had two teams that kind of, you know, obviously being from Kentucky, I'm the Cincinnati Reds guy through and through. You have to be. And always right? will be. Yeah. Right. But the other team that's owned a significant chunk of my baseball heart has been the Boston Red Sox um, since also since I was a kid. Once the book came out, the Reds helped us actually. Bobby Balsina played for the Reds. Okay. Right. And there was not a whole lot of information about him. Like if you go into the Reds Hall of Fame, which is in, uh, in my mind, the best baseball Hall of Fame outside of Cooperstown. It's, a, it's amazing. They did an awesome job with it. There was nothing about Bobby Balsina in there at all. So once the book came out, I thought hopefully this will be a springboard to getting more recognition for Mr. Bell. Belsina. So the Reds contacted us uh, shortly before the book came out and they said, hey, we well, contacted the book company and they said, hey, how would Dr. Simpson and, and the other Dr. Simpson, my wife, how would they like to come to Cincinnati and do an autograph session before the Reds and the Red Sox game? And how do you feel about that? That that sounds great. That was a little surreal <laughs> you know, to think that yeah. you know, I'm here and I'm doing this autograph session at the Reds Hall of Fame, and it's before the Reds and the Red Sox game. So that was pretty cool. So that, that you know, we've had a lot of great opportunities like that. And then the um, National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, they had asked for a copy of the book to be placed in their library, which is where they kind of, kind of the storehouse for all things baseball as sure. far as literature goes. Yeah. In addition to that, probably one of the, for me, the thing that's probably paid off the most as far as making me feel good is uh, last year, the Reds remodeled their Hall of Fame. And before we wrote the book, there was nothing about Mr. Balsina in, in the Reds Hall of Fame at all. And we were, um, my son and my wife and I, we were uh, upstairs at the Reds Hall of Fame last year, newly remodeled. And as we were turning the corner, they had a new display that said Cincinnati Reds first. And there was a big uh, photograph there of Bobby Balsina. Oh, wow. With his recognition yeah. as being the That's first cool. Asian American player yeah. in baseball history. And, you know, that, that, that 
seemed to make everything to me. Man, you had a part in that. How I cool. did. That I did. Is, I think that's we really did. cool. Yes. Yeah, that is surreal Thank for you. sure. What do you think about? You sort of change gears here for a little bit. So, what do you think about the whole steroid era? And then, like you know, what do we do with those players? I mean, in terms of like a, a historical significance. I mean, where you know, do they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Do they not? Is there an asterisk? You know, I mean, so just what are your thoughts about that whole kind of era in general? Okay, good question. So, baseball has had a lot of different eras. Now, they've had the dead ball era where offensive statistics were way down, and then of course, kind of a polar opposite of that would be the steroid era where everybody was hitting <laughs> sixty or seventy home runs, and you, you know, got some juicers. It was just the wild west. Yes. Right. And, you know, growing up in baseball, numbers are sacred, especially to, to baseball fans and baseball players. And, you know, Babe Ruth's mark of 60 and then Roger Mayer of 61 uh, was kind of the gold standard for most home runs in a season. And that really seemed unattainable for a long time. And then once the steroid era happened and then, you know, you had Bonds and Sosa and Conseco, and they were all, you know, hitting a tremendous amount of home runs and everything. So I don't know. As I look back on that, I'm not a fan of that, obviously, because I, I, I cherish kind of the numbers of baseball and the history of baseball. Will those people ever get in the Hall of Fame? I think there's a good possibility at some point that Bonds and McGuire do. And to be honest, that's part of the game's history. I'm not in favor necessarily of them being in the Hall of Fame, but I feel like that whatever we do with their records in history that there needs to be yeah there needs to be an asterisk because to me you know Hank Aaron's um Hank Aaron will always be the home run king with you know 755 I think no matter what Barry Bonds hit or anybody else those are the true numbers well you know in terms of recent events in baseball I know this is one that we talked about on a recent episode we were talking about sports scandals <laughs> and Every sport has a rich history, and there's highs and there's lows. And I think, unfortunately, here in recent history anyway, we've seen a, a very low low uh, for one team in baseball, and that's the Astros. Yeah. So, Bill, you've you've been at the the forefront of baseball, you know, and, and thinking through this at this time. I'm sure you've had some discussions about this. Right. What are your thoughts about this whole Astros cheating scandal? And, and what exactly happened for those who might be listening who's unsure of kind of how all that went down? Baseball's had a lot of scandals through the years. You know, in 1919, maybe the greatest scandal that ever happened in professional sports was the Black Sox scandal when the Chicago White Sox were playing Cincinnati Reds in the World Series and uh, the mafia got involved and the you know the the White Sox were they basically threw the series and a lot of players were permanently banned from baseball and there was a movie made about it called 8 Men Out which is an, an awesome movie and then you know you have the steroids scandal and everything so the Ast the Astros thing was pretty interesting because shortly before that the Red Sox and I think the Yankees had had some issues with, you know, stealing signs or using Apple watches to kind of transmit some information or something like that. So Major League Baseball was warned. All Major League Baseball teams were warned that, hey, you know, be careful on the use of technology. And basically what happened is there's a little bit of debate on, on who actually started it. But the Astros used a, a camera to look in and see what signs the opposing catcher was given giving. And then they would read those signs to determine if it was going to be a curveball, fastball, changeup, or whatever. And then they would transmit those signs to the Astros player who was batting in real time. 
And there's a lot of debate on whether they use buzzers or whatever, but we know for a fact that they use trash cans. (laughs) (laughs) That is my absolute favorite part about it is that we're talking (laughs) about satellites floating, like orbiting the earth and bouncing signals off. But but ultimately, it boils down to a guy with with a piece of wood just wailing on a piece of metal, just a metal trash can. Yeah, it wasn't an Apple Watch. You know, it was it was the most basic and and primitive of devices. We're just gonna we're just gonna beat on this trash can. So I I kind of think that that in in all of sports, to me, hitting a baseball probably has to be, if not the hardest thing to do, certainly one of the hardest because you're hitting a moving object that's a small round ball with a round bat. You don't know what pitch is going to be thrown. You don't know how fast it's going to be. You don't know where it's going to be. You just have a second to react. And if the hitter knows what pitch is coming, that gives them a great advantage in being able to hit the baseball. And if we look at the Astro statistics in the World Series when they were playing the Dodgers, when they were at home, their batting averages were quite a bit higher and everything. And I, I have no no doubt in my mind that that played a role in them winning the World Series. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, Bill, what is your favorite childhood memory of baseball? That's a good question. Um, I really don't remember my life without baseball. I had a couple of uncles who were big baseball fans, and I think that's what really kind of turned me on to the sport first when I was really, really little. And uh, one of the uncles lived in Cincinnati, so he would come home with a lot of different stories about the Reds and everything. And then the other uncle watched every Reds game, so I would watch games with him. So my earliest memory probably is um, either asking my dad to take me out to my grandmother's house who had cable television to watch the Reds on TV, or I remember um, listening to the Reds on radio. So, you know, baseball and radio is kind of a big thing together. I mean, it's it's the perfect sport for radio. And the Reds uh, broadcasters for a long time was a guy named Marty Brenneman and a guy named Joe Nuxall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they were on WLW 700 AM out of Cincinnati, which you can pick up through most of Kentucky and everything. So in the evening, a lot of times I would go outside behind their house. I would turn on the Reds game, and I would uh, spend hours listening to the Reds game while throwing a baseball up against the, our, our chimney and kind of taking grounders and everything. And then, of course, you know, we would always have people over to play baseball and sandlot baseball and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's that's childhood memories. Yeah. So how about your favorite adult memory? Because, I mean, I know that you've you've attended several uh, adult uh, adult camps, adult league type things over the years. So tell us some of, maybe, maybe some of those memories. That's right. So I, I joke with my wife sometimes that I'll never be finished with baseball the more baseball i play the more i want i want to play okay so um it's often said that there's a a hole inside of every man's heart that can only be filled by a relationship with god and i believe that but also in my heart there's another hole that can only be filled with baseball <laughs> right so for me it's god and, and then probably the second one i love basketball but it's probably cheese <laughs> I love cheese. <laughs> so um, when my little boy uh, was probably about two years old, I hadn't played baseball for many years. And I thought, you know, I, I need to, I need to do this because I wanted that to be something that Jack grew up watching me play and that we did together and, you know, just kind of shared together. So I found out about an, an adult baseball league. Uh, of course, there's softball around, but I, I didn't want to play softball. There, I found out about, about an adult baseball league in Knoxville, Tennessee called the East Tennessee Adult Baseball League. So didn't know a soul, contacted some people. Went down for a tryout, ended up being put on a team called the Knoxville Bulls. I played with them for probably, you know, two seasons, two and a half seasons until Jack started getting a little bit older and I hated to make the hour and a half drive down to Knoxville every week to play baseball. So after that, I found out about these adult baseball tournaments and there's whole, there's like a whole, like, underground society of adult baseball. Subculture type thing. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they gather at different places throughout the country and they play baseball. You know, the, they have fantasy baseball camps, which Major League Baseball teams have, which are run by the baseball organizations. You're usually coached by former Major League players. You go there, you play baseball for a week. And then there's another um, separate entity that's just adult baseball. And it's uh, probably a little bit more competitive. And you go there and you're on a team. You can either go with your own team or they'll put you on a team and you play baseball for, you know, four or five days. And, and the two main organizations in that are Roy Hobbs Baseball and um, a great baseball organization ran by a guy named Scott Green called Play at the Plate Baseball, which is hmm. just fantastic. And they have tournaments all throughout the country. So. I've done both of those frequently. When I heard that you had done some of those, you and I had uh, talked before and I, I saw you uh, posted some on, on Facebook, some pictures and things that just absolutely fascinated me. Uh, for whatever reason, I hadn't considered that, uh, you know, like an adult baseball league uh, was, was a thing and, yeah. and it is. And yeah. it was so cool to see that you were a part of that. Now, in, in terms of those types of competitions, how does the, the scale go? How much of it is for fun and how much of it is like, strictly competition you know that's a really good question so what i found is that the the fantasy camps they're very competitive but there's also a a a high degree of fun okay but the events like the roy hobbs events and the play at the plate events while while they are fun people are there to play baseball trying to win and to win right and it's the same thing as the fantasy camp same things i mean you go to a fantasy camp or you go to one of these adult baseball tournaments and you're there to have fun as everybody else is you'll have people ranging from probably age 30 to maybe age, you know, 60, 65. And, and most of them are pretty good players. You know, they really are. And they're competitive and it, it's pretty competitive. It's more competitive than your average person would think that it is, but it's also so much fun. Like yeah. you, you never want it in. You, you step on that field with your uniform and you're 12 years old again. <laughs> and you know, you're, you're just it. a 12 year old little boy again and you're playing baseball and it, it's magical. Man, that's awesome. So, Bill, you, you've mentioned several baseball players here, different teams that you've been fond of over the years. If you were to pick your just ideal lineup, you know, your your favorite baseball lineup, maybe even by position, who, who would you name in okay. that lineup? Okay. So I've thought about that a lot. Actually, since I've probably been about eight or nine years old, I've this, probably, <laughs> this is your moment. It, yeah. your time I've, I've kind of been, I've kind of been waiting for this moment my entire life. I've been training for this. He was prepared. But, He's um, ready to go. So maybe not the necessarily the best players, but just the players that I either I have an affinity for, or I respect. Sure. You know? Yeah. So, um, at catcher would be my favorite all time baseball player. And that's Johnny Bench catcher for the Reds. Um, first base would be Pete Rose and Pete Rose played several different positions, but yeah. you know, he played a ton at first. Second base would be Jackie Robinson, the Brooklyn Dodgers. So this is the all-star lineup. This is. Right here. Yeah. So, so far, so good. <laughs> um, shortstop would be um, a guy named Ernie Banks, played for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, third base, Brooks Robinson for the Orioles. Uh, in left field, I would have uh, who I think is the greatest hitter of all time, one of my baseball heroes, and actually my little boy. My little boy is in fifth grade, and Ted Williams passed away long before he was born, but Jack loves Ted Williams. He loves everything about Ted Williams. So Ted Williams, Boston Red Sox, would be in left field. Good thing. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Center field, uh, Willie Mays. And uh, right field, the home run king. 
Uh, that'd be uh, Hank Aaron, Henry Aaron. And then uh, we have to have Babe Ruth somewhere, so we'll have Babe Ruth as the DH. Yeah. <laughs> and then my uh, my starting pitcher would be a guy that I actually know, and he's a wonderful guy. His name is Ferguson Jenkins, who played uh, for several teams, but mostly well-known for the Chicago Cubs. And okay. He's a Hall of Famer and just a great guy, so he would be my, my pitcher. Yeah. Now, now, would you place yourself on that team at all? I would not. <laughs> I, know, I would love to. That would be awesome. That would be a dream. That's pretty cool. You could be like a uh, utility player. Player. I yeah. could be a utility yeah. player. Yeah, you yes. can do that. Yeah. Yes. And w- one more thing about the kind of the adult baseball camps is something that I never counted on is I'm a big believer that you get one, you know, you get one life, you get one chance to do all this and you can't let other people dictate when you're going to do something or what you're going to do. So I just kind of dove in to the whole adult baseball world. And I'm so glad that I did. I hadn't played baseball since I was, you know, a kid or a teenager. And it's been one of the most wonderful experiences. Not only have I had a lot of success and I've, I've done things that I didn't think I could still do. And, uh, but I've met a ton of people who have turned out to be some of my best friends, you know, and in fact, um, one of the guys, his name is Brian Kuhn from Columbus. He helped Jennifer and I write the book. He provided most of the photographs for the book. And he's turned out to be just one of one of my, the best friends I've ever had. In addition to a couple of other guys up there named uh, Rob Tim, Tims and uh, Alan Blake. Awesome guys. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine a summer without spending time with those guys and all the other guys. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. yeah. Baseball seems to bring people together more yes. so than, than any other sport. You know, it's, it's really cool in that way. Yeah. So... Tell us about your favorite baseball movie or movies. You could you can you can name two or three if All you right, need so to. So when I knew you were going to ask those questions, I've thought about that a lot, and it's kept me up some knots. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> and I'm glad I don't have to limit it to one. So that's good. <laughs> but there's a ton of there's a ton of baseball movies, and probably more than any other sport. Probably, I'm saying so. There's a, yeah. just a ton of baseball movies, yeah. and strangely enough, just a ton of baseball songs. A ton of songs have been written about oh, baseball, yeah. which are awesome. I know the one, uh, Take Me Out to the Take Ball. Take Me Out to the Ball, that's yeah. good. Yeah, there's <laughs> some really good ones. There's some great songs about Ted Williams and about, you know, different players I mean, and everything. Put me in, coach. I'm ready, to, in pl- coach. Yeah. I'm ready <laughs> to play. I know a few. Today. <laughs> Today. <laughs> um, that's great. So my favorite baseball movie, I don't know, I, w- I would have to probably start with 42, which is a movie that came out a few years ago about Jackie Robinson. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a really powerful movie. I had waited a long time to see 42 because I tend to get emotional about baseball and equality and about I just like to see people done right. I don't like to see kind of social injustice and everything. This is going to sound strange, but I try to wait and watch baseball movies right before I go to a baseball camp to play because... They get me really excited. Oh, fired up. <laughs> yeah, they get me really fired up. And I need to, to make sure I schedule that before I'm going to be able to go play for a few days. You get you a dot L.A. Just <laughs> turn, right. that, turn yes. that bad boy on. LA. Yes. So, um, uh, so uh, a couple of weeks before I was getting ready to go to Florida and play in a tournament, I had had 42, story of Jackie Robinson. I'd had that recorded for months and I just didn't know if I was really emotionally ready for it or anything. So um, Jennifer, my wife, Jennifer, she was in uh, a different room doing something. Jack was down in the basement. And I thought, I'm going to watch this movie. So I get into the movie and one of the best movies, not just baseball movies, but one of the best movies in my mind just ever. And there's a certain scene and I don't want to spoil it or anything, but it really got me. And I'm fi- I'm there in the dark by myself watching this baseball movie and I find myself just openly crying. <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> you're weeping like a child. Yes, right? I am. Yeah. So Jennifer walks in and she's like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? You know, are you OK? I was like, I was trying to explain what was going on. It's OK. It's OK. So 42 is awesome. Um, the Sandlot. 
I, oh, I yeah. was hoping in my heart of hearts, Bill, that you like the sandwich. That's just like part, of, that's part of Americana right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like we, my son Jack, we probably watch <laughs> Sandlot probably at least two times a week and a half for the last <laughs> seven or eight years. And it never gets old. No, it it's doesn't. always no, it's, still it, funny. It's great. It's yeah. always still nostalgic. It's great. And then um, I think Field of Dreams. I've never seen Field of Dreams. Man, okay, we, I, we have to stop the podcast never, right yeah, now. We'll and, come back. And I'm not even joking. Field, I, I Field have never, dreams. I've never seen Field of Dreams. It's I know scary. all the references. I know all about it, but I've never watched it from beginning to end. Especially, you know, especially kind of the, you know being a dad and everything. The father son thing that 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 theme is kind of heavy in Field of Dreams and everything. And that's that's something that always pulls at my heartstrings and I, I enjoy watching. And there's a ton of other ones, but those are probably my three favorite baseball yeah. movies. And I'm sure I'm leaving something out, but. Um, Angels in the Outfield. Angels in the Outfield is great. Yes, <laughs> Major yes. League. Major League. Major League. I, I love oh, Major I League. That movie yeah, in a while. when yeah. that one came out, I thought that was an awesome. That's movie. hilarious. And uh, That's a good one. you know, one more recent. Of course, it's been several years ago. Uh, you based on the book uh, Moneyball. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed Moneyball. I think Brad Pitt was in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you guys seen a movie called Rookie of the Year? I have. That's kind of an old one. Yes, have you seen yeah. that? It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Uh, there, there's a kid who breaks his arm, and for some reason, whenever it heals up, he can throw. Pitches like a, like a hundred mile an hour fastball. Yeah, it's just it's just yeah. Crazy. There are a ton of yeah. baseball movies. You know, we mentioned before Eight Men Out, which is yeah. about the nineteen nineteen uh, Black Sox scandal. Sure, yeah. And uh, there's a great movie called Perfect Game, which is about a uh, Mexican little league team from Monterey, Mexico, in I think the sixties, who came to America and became the first Mexican little league team to win, win the little league World Series, which is also awesome. There's hmm, just tons, cool. there's cool. tons yeah. of great movies. Yeah, and like you said, it seems like there's a baseball movie coming out, you know, once a year anyway. Yes. There's, there's yeah. a lot a lot of story to tell. Yeah, yeah. There. I what think. was what was the one uh, with the uh, player that like that made a comeback? Uh, Is it he, for the love of the game? Maybe I'm ma- not sure. Who who starred in that? Do you remember who starred? Kevin Costner has been in a ton, but I'm not sure. If he okay, was I, th- I think maybe I think maybe it was. I know there's a scene where there's he, also a Dennis Quaid. Uh, okay, it's Dennis Quaid. Okay, okay, it's yeah. the one where he's yeah. checking his uh, his speed with like it's like on a uh, machine on the side of the road that checks right. your you know oh, yeah. the cars go That's by. Dennis oh Quaid. yeah, and yeah. it checks your speed. I thought that was kind of a cool. Yeah, that is a great movie. He's like he's like high school basketball. Or a baseball coach yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, just just growing up as a kid, you know, all these movies, it seemed like I watched a lot more baseball movies as a kid. I don't know what it was, but yeah. it's just, um, you know, we mentioned like Angels in the Outfield. That's one, like you said, you watch The Sandlot like twice a week. I don't know for whatever reason, yeah. and Angels in the Outfield was on at my house like like all, all the time. time. Yeah, and, and my favorite part of that movie is, you know, obviously the Angels intervened and they helped them play, and, and I guess they got to the World Series. I'm not sure how that panned out. But at the main end, you know, uh, the Angels didn't show up, and they're like, well, well where are you? Yeah. Like in the championship game. And they're like, you know, we, we don't play championships. You know, you have to do that <laughs> on your own. So I don't know. There, I think there was something like, like Phil philosophical about that at the time that kind of went over my head a little bit but uh i just you know i love that movie i love movies like that yeah it just seemed like that really was the the soundtrack as you said earlier bill of of my childhood those movies were as big a part of it as anything those movies are so woven into you know kind of american culture and everything as is kind of like baseball lexicon like if we you know how many times a week do we say i'm out in left field or i'm sorry i'm out in left field you know or okay i just just need to (laughs) i need to tag up before you know, I need to tag up or, um, you know, things. I mean, they're that's your third strike. Out. Yeah. Oh, that's your third that's strike right. yeah. or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I love that. I mean, I just yeah. love that there's, there's constantly baseball references in kind of our language, even by people who don't even realize it. Yeah. I love that. On yeah. deck. Who, who's on deck? Who's on yeah. deck? You know, yeah. Who's next to do whatever. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, Bill, is there is there anything we didn't touch on that would be good to mention here related to baseball? Anything else we should say? Um, Jason talked earlier about, you know, the Hall of Fame and we were talking about that. And the Hall of Fame's a big deal. I think that of all the major American sports, getting into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame is probably the hardest to do. And in my mind, probably the most prestigious. And no doubt there's been a lot of people who have not got in who deserve to. And if I could just mention a couple of those yeah, people. Yeah, please. Okay. So uh, Davey Concepcion, who was a Cincinnati Red shortstop. There's um, a guy, he's uh, Jeff Ridden, the oh. you know, multi-all-star relief pitcher, uh, played for the Twins and, and other teams. When he finished playing, he had 367 career saves. So when he finished, he was the all-time saves leader in Major League Baseball, not in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder why. Well, and then there's another guy, uh, and I know both these guys, and they're both not only good baseball players, but they're awesome people, uh, Al Oliver. And Al Oliver had almost 3,000 hits, nationally batting champion. And if you look at his statistical resume to get into the Hall of Fame, hit exceeds many other players who are already there. Al Oliver, also not in the Hall of Fame. I think after a while that the people who make the decisions about who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, that they kind of forget or move on to other players. But those are two players that stick out in my mind that I hope at some point are in Cooperstown because both of them deserve to be there. Good shout-outs. Jason, anything else on, on baseball before uh, we depart? I don't think so. No, I'm going to go home, and I guess, and watch a recording of the uh, 1990 World Series. <laughs> and I'm going to see if the Reds still sweep them. You think they still will? I think they will. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll turn out that way. You let me know, though, okay? Oh, right. I will. Thanks to Bill Simpson for joining us, uh, author of Our Game 2, Asian Pacific Americans in Major League Baseball. And, Bill, where can we get this book if we want to buy it? Okay. So the book's available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's available at the Cincinnati Reds Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cincinnati. And it's available at major bookstores kind of around the Midwest and parts of the South. Fantastic. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for being our guest today. Thank Man, you, guys. It's been great having you. And thanks to our listeners who are tuning in each week. We'd encourage you to follow us on social media. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at Slapdash Pod. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care. <laughs>